Quintessential Lacrosse Podcast welcomes in Jack Rowlett, defender of the PLL Chaos. He is also a volunteer coach at Georgetown, working with the defense and the faceoffs as we uh, turn the page towards the PLL Championship this Sunday, 3 o'clock from, Chest- from Chester, PA. It's ABC. It's the Water Dogs and the Chaos. I'm hoping to be there, Jack. I've got a college football game in Seattle at Washington at 4.30 local time. <laughs> And then I got a red eye at about 11 and I land in Philly at 7 a.m. So uh, I was unable to make last week's games. I was in BYU doing a late game, but I am hoping that the travel gods allow me to be at this game. Uh, first of all, congratulations. Uh, it's you guys uh, have found found yourselves here on this role again uh, for you. My biggest question, like you played at Carolina, you played in a national championship. And now you've played in, a, in almost a, a few PLL championships. Like what's the difference what are the similarities in your state of mind, the nerves, the excitement? Uh, what, what's it like? Yeah, you know, I, I think I think being in North Carolina playing in that national championship definitely gives you a little bit of that experience, a little bit of the ability to handle some of those butterflies that come in on game day. Um, and then you're getting into the professional league. I don't feel as if I was – as jittery day of, as nervous, you know, stepping onto the field, playing in those finals games, as I remember being as a freshman, you know, 19 years old, playing in the national championship game. I for sure remember that being kind of a nerve wracking moment the first, you know, couple minutes of that game. But uh, I, I think for sure every time you play in a bigger and bigger game, you get more comfortable with it. And it allows you to then just play smooth and comfortable from the get go. There's no transition period. Yeah. True or false for me. I was more nervous for a first round or quarterfinal game than I was for a championship game. Is it similar? Be- because it's the last game of the year, win or lose, it's going to be over. I found when we lost like Georgetown did in the, in the tournament uh, last year early, like that hurt more that I was more nervous because the assumption of winning, the, the expectation was so big. I think you actually made a good point with, you know, it, regardless it's over this week, like for us, regardless of what happens, we can't play another game. The league's done. They don't have any more games going on after, you know, this upcoming weekend. So to your point, I, I do think there's always more to look forward to in those early games, whether you're a team that's very you know, focused or not, you know, having anything in front of you can cause distractions. So to, to your point, I, I would agree. Yes. I think once you get to the finals and, you know, for our, uh, this chaos team, we've had some you know time in the finals. I think this will be, you know, we'll be able to settle in, be comfortable, understand that, you know, regardless, we've played as many games as the league, you know, allows us to in a sense. And, uh, you know, we're going to go out and still have that intensity, but there, there's nothing else past that game. You can kind of focus and put all your marbles into that game right there. That's Sunday, 3 o'clock, ABC from uh, Chester, PA, which is just south of Philly. If uh, fans in the area, please, please show up. It's going to be epic. Uh, I, we will talk PLL later on in, in our discussion. I, I want to focus on, on Georgetown right now. So many of our fans of this podcast are hardcore college fans. Uh, first of all, what's the tenor? What's the vibe uh, as you guys turn the page for what was a terrific regular season last year? You stepped up, you went to Notre Dame, you, you took them down, you played Hopkins, you beat them only to stub your toe at home in, in that late playoff slot, which is uh, so difficult to manage. Like what, what's, what's the mindset of the team right now in September? You know, I, I think it's definitely a, a hungry group. You know, Coach Warren put it up on the board right away, the story of the Tampa Bay Lightning, who were the one seed, 
in the NHL playoffs a couple of years ago, got beat by the eight seed in the first round, you know, wasn't an identical situation that happened to us, but, you know, a team that, you know, was picked in a lot of people's minds to go far. We didn't have that success. You know, the Lightning come back the next year and they were able to have more success and win the Stanley Cup. So Coach Warren's big message is we're not talking about anything down the road. We're going to focus on one one moment at a time together. And whether that's just in the locker room being with the guys or whether it's on the field, I think that the guys are very excited to be back. They feel like there's a bit of unfinished business. And, uh, you know, they've brought an extremely, you know, high level of focus and energy to the first couple of days we've had so far. How does Coach uh, Kevin Warren differ or how is he similar to Joe Bresci? I think they're both um, themselves organically. I don't think either of them try to be anything they're not. I, you know, I, know. I think that that is something that they both do very, very well. You know, obviously Coach Warren is, you know, everybody's seen some clips of him just being very emotional after goals. And, you know, he does pour his heart into this. He loves Georgetown lacrosse. As I would agree, Coach Bresci also loved UNC lacrosse. I would say Coach Warren definitely will give you a little bit more crap if one of your football teams lose or – you know, if you if you miss a shot of practice, he'll, you know, joke with you about it and, you know, kind of make sure the spirit is always light, which is, I think, something our guys really value and really helps you know, that relationship between player and coach, you know, prosper. The Swamp Dogs will be stacked this year. I got you guys in the top four. It's hard, hard for me not to, to see you guys at least in the top eight. And I think you've got the experience now. Well, uh, I want to talk about some personnel real quick. Graham Bundy. Junior was terrific. Uh, I don't know if you got to catch any of those Team USA games in Ireland. Man, he 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 was uh, he can really shoot it. He's got a great feel for how to get open and how to finish. What, what are your what do you notice about Graham? I think he's a future pro player. Uh, what what do you notice about him on a day to day basis? I, I think Graham's a natural leader. I think he's someone that holds himself to a really high standard. And that's not just in, on the lacrosse field. That's whether it's in the weight room, making sure everything's picked up, organized, racks are the right way, whether that's the way we are dressed, whether the way the team looks. He's someone that wants everything to be held to the highest standard possible throughout everything we do every day. And I think that, you know, translates to them, him on the field. He's out shooting after practice every day to make sure he feels comfortable with his stick setup or, you know, whatever he's working on that week in practice. And, you know, that – you know, his ability, and, you know, I've seen this for the last, you know, this is my third year with them. So I've seen that since he was a sophomore. The ability for someone that young to have such a high level of focus and drive and, you know, know really what they want, how to do it, I think is also very important. You know, Graham has all those things, and it's really exciting to just see someone like that be able to play as free as they want and have success. You know, I'm very happy for, the, for Graham. You know, he's someone that definitely deserves it. He puts in a ton of work. Won a national title in 2016 with Carolina. You got out of there in 2019. That was your last year. Did you cross over with Will Bowen? Was he a player when you were a player? I did. Me and Will actually joke. We we only played two days together. I got meniscus surgery in the fall, so I missed the fall. And then we got back and played two practices together before Will got hurt in the spring. So, yes, we we did cross paths for a year down there. Same with Jacob Kelly and Nikki Solomon, who are also, you know, Hoyas now. But – um. You know, I love Will. He's fantastic, and it's been real nice to be able to reconnect with him, you know, on a different level here here up in D.C. you got to give your surgeon extra credit for the meniscus uh, meniscus fix, and now you win in speed contests a couple years later. I, I do. I do owe Dr. Spang a round of applause. I appreciate him. I'm sure I had all both, athletes would say the same. I had both done about, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago. 
Uh, so knock, knock on wood, both. Yeah, well, one 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 I tore while mowing my lawn, and then the other one started swelling swelling up, and uh, they realized that I had uh, had oh. done that one prior, also. So I guess I was walking around with them for a while. So you, you not only you picked up Bowen last year, but as you said, Jacob Kelly comes in, Nikki Solomon comes in. I love Nikki Solomon; he's a super guy. Tucker Dordovic is now on campus, as is Brian uh, Minicus from Colgate. So I don't know much about Minicus. Tell me about him. I think Brian Minicus could have one of the best first steps in college cross this year. Um, I mean, that, that's a huge, huge thing to throw out there. But I've been able to guard him one-on-one in some practices afterwards. And we got some time before the, you know, we have to get off the field. And I can speak firsthand with just how athletic he is. His ability to get to his left hand, his ability to score the ball is you know, very impressive. I was very surprised. He has as good of a first step as almost anybody I've ever guarded. And, you know, I think that is saying a lot, but, you know, um, I, I do think Brian, you know, I hope he has as good of a year as I think he has the ability to. Cause I know from a talent level, he's certainly, certainly up there with the best of them. Wow. That's, uh, that's some huge compliments. The last guy would be Danny Hanks, goalie from Dartmouth, who I've seen some tape of. I love the way he moves. He looks, he looks really good. Uh, do they let you shoot on goalies, Jack? I got to shoot on goalies my freshman year a little – or no, I'm sorry, I said freshman year. My first year at school, last year was a little bit different with uh, the amount of goals we had. And then now we have Coach Hogan. He's more the offensive guy. He's taking that role, unfortunately. I got one year of warming up goalies. I have not since, though, uh, been able to, unfortunately. Coach Shriver runs a tight ship, doesn't he? He does. No, and again, Coach – that's someone I'll never question when it comes to goalie position. He obviously you know, knows what he's doing. He's done a tremendous job in the last you know, six years now at Georgetown. So you know, I'm giving him all the credit. I, I will do what he says in that regard for sure. Last guy I want to ask you about is faceoff man, James Riley. Uh, I've been told he's coming back. He's, he's, got, he's got another year. Is that accurate? He does, yes. JR will be, he'll be on the team this year for sure. So he's legit. He's a, he's, a pro, he's a pro caliber FOGO. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think – I think it's a little bit underrated with his ability just to play lacrosse outside of the X. He's someone that, first of all, I think loves the game more than, you know, maybe the most on our team. He's someone that's in the locker room constantly, whether it's playing fiddlesticks, whether it's out in the field, just shooting, playing defense on guys, you know, he's, he's the true definition of a lax rat in a sense, but uh, no, really looking forward to having James Riley back. I, I think he's, you know, someone in this new standing neutral grip era, he's really been able to show, he has a wide variety of moves. He's not someone that sticks to just a clamp or you know, going to second or third moves. He has a wide variety, and that's you know, been able to allow him to be successful the last couple of years, and you know, looking forward to having him back. Makes my job definitely easier. As a natural defender, natural long pole, you find yourself working with face-off men now. How, how did you get up to speed? How, how have you uh, added value to that position uh, in, the, in the last two years? I got to give a huge shout out to Coach Towers. He was one of the, you know, in, in his day, one of the best guys facing off, and he stood up the entire time. He actually has an instructional video. I'm not sure where to find it online, but he sent it to me in an email. He has hair at the time. It's kind of a crazy concept. <laughs> 45-minute video. He goes over every single move, what his thought process, how he stands, you know, every little detail. So spent a lot of time with that. And then just I was honest with the guys the first day. I was like, look, fellas, if I can't get you the answer, I will get it to you in, in 24 hours. You know, I know a lot of guys that face off. You know, I've been able to go to some of the face off factory, face off academy events, just stand in the back and watch and listen. You know, I wanted to be able to provide value to them outside of just blowing whistles. 
And even if that's just suggestions that lead them to get to the right idea or get them to the right, you know, concept, I think that then I'm doing my job the best of my ability in that regard. I, you know, I'm not trying to say I'm a face-off expert by any means. You know, I don't, I don't have that position mastered, but I, you know, I, I try to learn as much as they do. And, uh, and then, yeah, just provide as, as much, you know, information as I can. You're living my dream job. You know that when I retire, I want to go back and become a volunteer somewhere. I love that. It's honestly, it, it's fantastic. It, you don't have to do any of the, uh, the school, like, um, I don't know, employee stuff. That's all, you know, they have to stay late and do the employee meetings. I just get to go home. I'm not paid. No one, no one's concerned with where I am. So you're a free, you're a freelance uh, contract employee that you report to Kevin and Kevin only. Absolutely. I'm not even sure I really even signed a contract when I started. It was just like, yep, you're good. Show up tomorrow. Hey, your game has grown dramatically uh, in the last uh, two or three years from the time you left Carolina. You always had talent. I'll be honest with you. I thought you were a little out of control at times, but there was an athletic presence there. You have, you have become this complete defender, uh, master of the angles, master of when to double, when not to double, like making all the smart plays now in combination with that great athletic ability has coaching. I mean, we turn, we say, well, it's obviously he's a coach. Has coaching had that much of an impact on your finished product on the field? I think absolutely. You know, I try to tell my guys they should go coach because I think just saying saying what you're thinking out loud when it comes to lacrosse and trying to explain to someone else what you're doing with your feet, what you're doing with your hands, you almost either talk yourself into the right answer or you say something and you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Why do I do that? And then you kind of can work to what the correct answer is. I also think it's a massive benefit having Coach Warren, you know, in my corner in a sense. You know, I – as you know, April may come and I'm getting closer to going to play in training camp. You know, I, I will do some reps with guys after practice when they have time to try to grab a freshman and coach Ward will stay there and watch me. And he'll be like, not your feet are too close. You're not making contact, you're backing up too much. You're doing this. So just being able to be coached past college, I think is a huge benefit. And I, and I'm very, very, very thankful of him for that. You know, it, it allows me to be able to develop my game and run ideas off of someone who I have tremendous respect for in the defensive world. So, you know, uh, you know, as well as coaching and, you know, learning in that regard, I think, you know, then continuing to play and be coached is also very important. And that's something I've been lucky enough to have. Yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a fascinating point. And we hear, I, I hear the PLO coaches, I hear Coach Janowski with Team USA saying constantly, they'll say to me, these guys want to be coached. These guys want to be coached. And, and, and we assume that it, it, at 22, when you get out of college, that you're, you're done improving. The reality is you look at other sports, you still have another eight years really of, of, of knowledge, accumulating knowledge, accumulating reps and really becoming a, a true pro. I, I think that's honestly one of the most exciting things about lacrosse is that I don't think we're to what the cap skill wise is. I think we're actually just starting. Like when I see some kids on social media doing things, I'm like, that wasn't even thought of when I was in high school. Or when I was in, you know, some of these kids are like in sixth grade doing things. I'm like, that would never have happened. I, I think the more kids play and the longer they can get coached for and the more they can run ideas off each other from, you know, guy to guy at top level, I think you're just going to see the game continue to evolve. And I'm excited about that. You know, I, I want to see the best version of what lacrosse can turn into. And I do think that's on the horizon. Big picture issue while I think about it. Uh, team defense. It seems like in, in high-level NCAA tournament games, PLL championship, PLL tournament games, that sliding is, is becoming less and less in vogue. That, that good, when you play a good offensive team, 
that if you slide, rotate, and recover, eventually they're, they're going to tear you apart with, with set shots from off the ball movement. And it seems like teams like Maryland, Virginia, teams like the Chaos, and others in the pro league are getting out of the sliding business in big game and saying, you know what, you want to beat me one-on-one, -on -one, that's fine. I'm going to push you to a weak angle or make you shoot with your weak hand. Blaze will make the save. Uh, Maryland's goalie will make the save. And I'm just seeing that in, in, in the more important the games, it's like these teams get out of the sliding business. Uh, obviously, they're going to help shorties. Obviously, they're going to help mismatches. Playing picks is huge. But do, do you notice that, that slide mentality, uh, perhaps at the high D1 or high PLL level? I, I do for sure, 100%. I think offensive players are taught lacrosse IQ, and I think sometimes defensive guys are taught scheme, which those – I think lacrosse IQ will always beat scheme. So you can play a great system defensively, but a smart lacrosse player will learn that system. And guys at the professional level, they know every slide package. They know most recoveries. They know where you want to send people, depending on where the ball moved out of the first dodge. So I don't think you can rely on what is – um, maybe the old school version of we're going to slide to alley dodges and send guys through the recovery to the backside and then we'll be able to support them there. I think you have to be a little bit more creative and, and almost dictate to the offensive player what you want to do. If you're going to double, it needs to be something that's forcing guys away from the goal. So then you're at the advantage rather than, you know, sliding and recovering and constantly being at a disadvantage. The cross IQ ball movement and the talent level, I think, will ultimately beat um, defensive scheme in that regard. Yeah, the talent level now with, with the stick skills, the shooting velocity, the coaching, it, it seems to have the answers to, to the, you know, the old school slide and, and move and, and cause havoc. It just doesn't, guys, at the elite levels, it just doesn't seem like guys can get there. All right. Uh, you mentioned Andy Towers. I want to ask you, uh, what, what makes Andy Towers tick? How did you guys not implode when on, there's 10 weekends of PLL this summer? You went home a loser eight weekends. Like, that's a lot. Like you only won two games, eight times. You guys hopped on a plane, went back home with a loss. How did you guys not combust? Coach, I was just very honest every time. And I think at this level, guys would rather you be honest, whether it's, we didn't do good. We didn't do well at X, Y, Z, or, you know, Hey, we turned the ball too many times, we, you know, or, you know, maybe having personal private individual conversations with, Hey, we're not, you're not playing at the level we need you to play. You know, Coach Towers was honest with people. He was like, hey, guys, look, like, we're not playing hard right now. And that was really what I think it comes down to with where our success has flipped a little bit. And I would say it was a little bit before the playoffs. I think we were playing better, even though we lost the last two weeks of the season. I think you could see some spurts where we were having some success. But he just – he looked at all of us. He said, you guys weren't playing hard enough, and that's all it is. It's not a talent thing. It's We're not winning ground balls. You know, we had honest conversations with guys. He's like, you got to be better in this regard. Um, and I think, again, as professionals, as much as it sucks to be told you're not doing well, you would rather that happen than, you know, coach being like, you know what, guys, we're so close. We're right there. That's a bad break, a bad call. So, you know, being able to have honest conversations and go back every week and then you have to look yourself in the mirror and make a decision. I think that ultimately pushed everyone at an individual point to a place where, you know, the only option was success. And then, you know, as a team, it kind of brought us together because everybody was bringing a higher level of intensity. It's interesting. This week I got Michigan State football. Mel Tucker is their coach. And he, he said this yesterday. He said, the strength of this team, the winning ingredient, is that we can have honest conversations on a daily basis. Now, with Coach Towers, is that done individually with you, Jack? Is that done in front of the whole group? How, do, how does he manage that? 
Um, it, it, it depends, right? So if we turn the ball over 30 times in a game, that'll be in front of the whole team. It'll be like, hey, guys, look, we were awful in transition defensively. You know, you guys turn the ball over running in transition or, you know, we turn the ball over on offense like this. If it's, you know, if it's a guy defensively, defensively, you know, maybe you get beat to the goal one too many times or you're not picking up ground balls or you're missing slides, then, you know, that's something he'll call you and have that conversation with you. Just be like, hey, look, this is what I'm seeing in film. I want you to know exactly where I'm at so it's fully transparent and there's no questioning here. Um, and again, I, I think guys respect that. I know I do. I'd rather him tell me straight up, I don't think you had a good game this week versus him being like, hey, man, bad break. Like, you got this. You'll do great. You know, like, again, like to your point, people want to be coached. People want to have the honest conversations and you only move forward with those honest conversations. There's two guys on your defensive end that I, I want to talk about. Uh, first is Blaze. He, he is, he, he's, he, the vibe, the aura is definitely back with him uh, in, in this postseason. He does some unconventional things that would never be taught that will become standard for the goalie position. I, I do believe that. His, his inside saves the, you know, he's, he's not, he's not uh, a prisoner of the book where you bring your stick this way or you bring your stick this way. Like, he just gets there. The fastest way possible is the only way right? The only way it's going to work against an elite shooter from four yards. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to watch him play, but tell me from a defensive standpoint, what, what don't we see or what don't we hear or what don't we feel from him when you're a defender playing alongside of him? I don't know how to describe it in terms of a feel, but the confidence he gives you, you know, time after time when, Maybe you're playing good defense and guys get shots off. Like, pro guys score a lot of goals contested. His ability to just make the saves that um, you're almost expecting him to make in a sense and then, you know, be able to bail you out when you make a bad play, it allows you to re relax defensively. It allows you to not be uptight and nervous. I think sometimes if, you know, if you're thinking at all about the guy behind you, which I don't think defensively you should, but, you know, you try to guard every single move and roll to try to prevent shots, then you're going to end up playing bad defense. But, you know, Blaze is, you know, he, he lets us know where he wants guys to shoot from. He gives us, you know, spots to send people to. And then, you know, from there, he, he's very, he's very comfortable. He makes it look easy. And then he'll be honest with you. He'll be like, look, you, you got to get your hands on him. Or he'll be like, you know what, look, I should have had that one. You know, his, he, had his, he had a line this week, you know, uh, I don't even remember which goal it was that went in. And we were upset that we gave the goal, but he got, he was like, Hey guys, look, it's a really small ball. The school's huge. Like, I'm going to miss a couple of these. Like, it's not a big deal. Like we'll be okay. And just the fact that he's so nonchalant about the fact that the ball went in, it really relaxes us. And I, I don't know the way to describe that. It, it's just, he's, he sees the bigger picture, I think um, more than most of us. And, you know, it allows him to be totally relaxed in the goal and allow us to relax. You play alongside Jared Newman. And the, the PLL, I've tell, been telling folks all summer, like to, to stand on the bench where I'm hoping to be on Sunday and watch these games is it's unbelievable. These guys are monsters. Like it, it's a big step up from college. Uh, players like Michael Earhart of the Whip Snakes, they, they just, they're so impressive with their speed, their range, their size. Jared Newman is in that mold, if not the definition of that mold. What, what, what's it like to play uh, alongside Jared? It's fantastic. It's someone, you know, I have so much faith and trust in Jared when he's on the ball. I know exactly what he's thinking. You know, we've, 
we've been able to play together. This is our fourth year. I, I don't think I've had a teammate defensively who I've been, you know, next to a close defense ever in my life for four years. You very rather it's high school or college, you know, guys graduate and move on. So, you know, I think our connection down there is, you know, fantastic. We get along super well. We, you know, constantly are in communication on the field about, you know, what we're thinking. And then, you know, just his ability to take someone completely out of the game and, you know, shut down a one-on-one matchup, you know, with his size and speed and athleticism and, you know, his ability to throw checks and land checks, it, it again, it allows everybody else to have a little bit easier of a time knowing that he's kind of got his guy out there. And, uh, and you know, there isn't really a worry in a sense because of, you know, his just natural athleticism and ability. What's the dynamic between the, the, the Canadian contingent and, and the Americans on your team? It's got to be hilarious. You, you got some characters on, 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 your, on this team. Sadly, I think the Americans have been taken over and transformed into like halftime, like partial, partial Canadians, you know, in a sense. Are you guys what, smoking cigarettes and drinking butts at halftime? Uh, maybe not that far. Maybe like not the 1980 Canadians, but definitely, you know, these buff guys are, you know, the true consummate professionals. You know, if you look at their social media, they're doing cryo every day. They're in, you're doing dry needling, recovering. They're working out every day. They're in the moon boots, you know, three hours. Anytime they're not doing anything, they are the absolute, you know, top of the line when it comes to how they take care of their body. And I think that shows with, you know, they got like 10 days off between the NL finals and when they came back to PLL and, you know, we weren't great in the beginning, but those guys had success, you know, Josh, and Dane, you know, Chase, Coach, those guys were able to score goals right away. It shows, you know, there wasn't too much wear and tear. They're able to get to the, the goal. They're able to score, able to be, you know, uh, contributors for us. But, you know, from an off-the-field standpoint, they dictate the locker room and they dictate the conversation. And uh, we all kind of just have to follow suit in a sense. Or you become the butt of the joke. And no one wants that. Are you tempted to play indoor? It was – so I got drafted by the Riptide um, before COVID. I went up to rookie camp and training camp, um, made it through that, had a blast doing it. Uh, but that was like – I came right out of outdoor season. So I, like, took a month off with a hip injury. COVID happened, done. Um, I would now that I'm in coaching, though, I, I would rather long term stay in coaching. It's something I love to do. It's something I hopefully can see myself doing you know, for a while in the future. So it, it is a shame that I won't, won't be able to you know give that run or you know, give the NL a run. But it, you know, I would love to have that experience. But you know, I'm yeah, very it's happy. Not, to it's, it's it's not a great crossover with with coaching lacrosse in in the spring, especially. Uh, last thing before we wrap this thing up, water dogs. Like they got three guys I have a lot of respect for offensively. Uh, Connor Kelly this year has been he's he's been a warrior. I they actually make it four, but make it five. Like this is a really good team. Ryan Conrad <laughs> in the middle of the field. Zach Curry are obviously another guy in the middle of the field. Michael Sowers with his change of direction, and then Kieran McCardle and it and his way to the way he generates uh, shots. There's a lot there in terms of this water dogs. How 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 does a scouting report at Georgetown differ or is similar to a scouting report at the pro level? I would say Georgetown, you have, you know, I was in the college level in general, you have some more key terms and phrases that might be on your scouting report. You know, you have um, maybe some more unique or specific ways to, you know, uh, game plan for guys. If you want to force guys to certain directions, I would say at the pro level, everybody understands you know, what our defensive concept is. So we don't put that in our scouting report. Scouting reports are mostly, you know, the 
what moves guys are going to most recently, whether it's getting down the alley, trying to roll back, whether they're a guy that wants to get underneath more, you know, it's more of those general concepts. And then, you know, at this point in the year, we know who everybody in the league is. We've played the water dogs, you know, the, with the league only being eight teams, like, you know, the other 200 something guys that are out there, like everybody has a good scout to begin with. So um, definitely a little bit more basic, just kind of, you know, I would say the pros, there's a one, two, three at Georgetown. We, you know, have our game plan. We try to stick with that and ride that out. So last thing, Jack, as you get, get prepared for this game on Sunday, uh, you guys will have a practice, I'm guessing, on Saturday. What, 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 what's your focus right now? Is it, is it rest? Is it hydration? Is it treatment? Is it wall ball? Is it getting some reps in? Like, take, take the, the young fan through what you're trying to get accomplished between now and at 3 o'clock on Sunday. For me personally, first things first, make sure my body feels good. I mean, at the end of a season, you know, we, I know we only do games, so it's not as intense as people may think, but just with some of the travel added in and that component, your body's definitely beat up. So first couple of days is trying to stay low key, you know, do anything, icing you need, recover. And then I try to play as much across as possible. I don't think there's a better substitution for that. I might go on a run if I – you know, get jittery and feel like I need to relax a little bit, but the run isn't going to help me get any better shape in the next couple of days. I just want to go out and get as many, you know, reps as I can, whether it's the one-on-ones, whether it's just some, uh, some footwork stuff. I think that is what puts myself at ease. And, you know, I feel the most confident what my game plan and my moves are. And, uh, and then, yeah, going from there pretty much. So did you jump into practice this week with Hoyas? I, I got some ones in. I got some ones in for sure. We're uh, we're in eight hour weeks, so we're, we can't do. We're not totally flying in terms of lacrosse stuff yet. But in the time I can, yeah, been able to get out there and run a couple ones. It's nice. We nice with the group we have for sure. And, and lastly, break some news in terms of Georgetown schedule. Right? Give give me give me some give me some something good. You guys coming back hard at it this year with some of the same. You got upgraded last year. Does that continue this year? It's the same. I, I don't know if I'm getting in trouble for this, but it's almost all the same characters uh, as yeah. last year. There's, I I mean, think you, guys, one, you guys played Notre Dame, Princeton, and Johns Hopkins last year, which was which I believe was new. And we played Penn as well. So you know, oh, Penn. Yeah, oh, that's played, right. Early, yeah. Was that week one or week two, week two? We it was their first game of the year. I think it was yeah, the, yeah, up, up in February. But uh, yeah, mo- almost everybody's the same schedule wise. Um, I think Coach Warren's. Still, there's like two games that were changed. So, Coach Warren's getting through that now, but it will still be a very similar schedule last year. Um, we're trying to play, you know, the the best competition out there for ourselves to see what we're made of. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Fastest man in the PLL, fastest Jack Rowell at Burke, Virginia, Chaos, assistant coach at Georgetown. I've enjoyed it, really enjoyed watching you play this year, Jack. You, uh, you, you're playing hard, you're playing smart, you're doing a great job. I appreciate awesome. that. Appreciate you. Good luck. I hope to see you Sunday, 3 o'clock on ABC. I hope you make a safe flight from Seattle.